so good to be here with you. Uh, I should give you a little update from last week. Uh, you know, I had, a, I had one of those weeks where I broke my toe and then I, my computer crashed and then I got in the pool with my cell phone, you know. Um, so it was, it's actually an iPhone and I had walked into the pool. Uh, I didn't jump in because I had a broken toe. I gingerly stepped in the pool through... Uh, the stairway, um, and then uh, got in. I was swimming around, and then all of a sudden I felt something uh, <laughs> hitting my leg. I was like, what is that? Oh, yeah. And so anyway, um, it was so great. Here is why I will always be an Apple fan. I put it in rice in a bowl and, 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 and put, it in a, put it in a plastic bag and then let it sit for a day, about a day and a half, and then I still couldn't turn it on, so I left it. I tried to turn it on after that. I didn't try to turn it on immediately. Then I, I went to the store. I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to have to get a new phone. I go to the guy, and I, he tries to turn it on. He can't turn it on either. He said to me, have you ever thought about plugging it in? I was like, duh, no. <laughs> uh, so, we, so we put it on a little dock, and it, as he put it on the dock, it boop. It came on. It was amazing. I didn't lose one shred of information out of any of the stuff. It totally came on. This is the same phone. I've been using it all week. It is awesome. Apple products are amazing. Okay. <laughs> Just wanted to give you that give you that little update. All right. Ready to study the scriptures together. Get your Bibles out and let's turn to John chapter 16. John chapter 16. Today we're starting a brand new series called Numa, Unlocking the Mystery of the Holy Spirit. Numa is a word that is Greek. It's a Greek word for the word spirit. It also uh, references uh, breath or wind. It can mean that as well. Uh, I, I took it from this, this scripture in John chapter 3. You don't have to turn there, but John chapter 3, Jesus is uh, visited by at night, under cover of night, by a religious leader named Nicodemus. And Nicodemus comes to him because he doesn't want anybody to see that he's hanging around with this Jesus character. And he wants to have a conversation with Jesus about what's happening, about what this is all about, why the crowds are following him, how signs and miracles are, are happening all around him. And so Nicodemus, a religious leader, he comes and he asks him all these questions. It's there where Jesus explains, you must be born again. It's there that we find John 3.16 John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He's telling that to, to Nicodemus. In verse 8, here's what he says. He says, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Jesus identifies an idea here that I think we can all understand He's using a bit of a word play in this particular passage because both wind and spirit are in this are in this verse, in this phrase, referencing the idea of pneuma. I think we can all identify with the idea that this is a mystery, the way the Spirit works in a person's life. The way the Holy Spirit works is like the wind. There's an invisible quality to it. You want to see it. You actually never see it. You only see the effects of it. You can sometimes feel the gust of wind when it comes but you feel the effect of the wind on your face. You hear the sound, not of the wind, but of the wind moving past the leaves of the trees. It's a, it's a mystery. 
And I think it's important for us to, as a church, in this first year of our existence as one chapel, it's important for us to visit and identify the idea of the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The Holy Spirit and his work among us, the Holy Spirit and how he functions. And listen, I understand that some of you may be a little nervous about the Holy Spirit or some of you are super excited. We're finally going to talk about the Holy Spirit. But listen, there's a, there's a thing that happens in our, I think, in our daily lives. We, we understand that this is an acknowledgement of the Trinity. And the Trinity is a theological word. It is a theological idea that is revealed in the Bible but not necessarily mentioned as a concept in the Bible. But it's revealed as verses are shared, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is so easy to identify the Father, isn't it? We look at the Father, He is the creator, God, the creator of all things, the sustainer of all things who holds the universe in His hand. We're very comfortable with that. We get that. The Son, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, he came, he was born of a virgin. He came to this earth to give his life as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. He became Savior and Lord. We don't mind being called Christ followers, do we? We follow the teachings of Christ. It's so easy to identify with. We get it. But then we get to the Holy Spirit. <laughs> as I was growing up, we called it the Holy Ghost. My favorite phrase was a double dose of the Holy Ghost. Oh, no. <laughs> the Holy Spirit, what do we say about him? What does he do? How does he work? With the, 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 the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. And we look at the Trinity just for a second here. The, the third person of the Trinity, if you identify each of these people, the Holy Spirit is not a it. We'll talk about that in, six, in coming weeks, but there's a relationship that happens between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And the miracle, the relationship of these three giving themselves to each other, surrendering to one another, mutual giving, loving, and serving. That's what we see in the Trinity. And we, you and me, have been invited into that relationship. We've been invited into that fellowship that is an incredible thing. It's, it, it speaks to the idea that God is truly personal and relational. You should write that down in your notes. You're not taking notes? You should be taking notes. You should be reading, getting your Bible out with a little pen and some paper. You can turn over your worship guide if you want to take notes there. It's really, it's really that's why we put those lines on it. They're not just for drawing. It's for actually taking notes. God is personal and relational. So what is the Holy Spirit? Is he the third wheel of the Trinity? <laughs> is, he the, is he the bronze medalist? <laughs> the errand boy of Jesus and the, his father? No. Most people think of the Holy Spirit as a crazy uncle. Because <laughs> weird stuff happens with the Holy Spirit, Right? There's some crazy stuff that goes on in the scriptures. And if you've grown up anywhere near Holy Spirit-filled people or Pentecostal people, which they are called from the day of Pentecost, where the Holy Spirit was given and they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. If you've ever hung out with any of those people, there can be some weird stuff that happens. And people swinging from chandeliers. 
I, I, I've never seen a church with a chandelier, actually. So I can't say that I've ever seen that. And I have never seen a chandelier big enough to swing from. So, um, so there's, a, there, there, there's, there's something, though, that as we look at churches or we look at kinds of churches or people who believe in the Holy Spirit, sometimes we get nervous. Some of you here, as, as you think about talking about the Holy Spirit for several weeks, you're like, uh-oh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I like this. I don't, I, don't, I don't know how comfortable I am with all that weird stuff. Listen, I've been through some weird stuff, but I've been through some transformation by the work of the Holy Spirit. I can tell you that. The Holy Spirit's work in my life, I've seen it at strategic points throughout my life. The first time was at seven years old at a camp, at a Christian camp, and a sweet, dear, older lady praying for all kinds of kids to receive the Holy Spirit. That was my first memory of God working in my life. I had a lot of sin at seven. No, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't have a lot of sin at seven. But something happened to me on the inside. I remember God meeting me and speaking into my life. I remember a a, a transformation that happened in my own heart, an awareness that was awakened of who he was, that he was with me, that he was in me. That was the role of the Holy Spirit. But no doubt, there are crazy things that happen. I I went to a school in college called Oral Roberts University. And it is a university, this is actually the subtitle, founded on the Holy Spirit. Man, I went, I crammed a four-year degree into five years. And... (laughs) And all those five years that I was there, I saw... Every, uh, I mean, you name them, the who's who of spirit-filled speakers coming through chapel services and standing up and talking about all kinds of stuff and leading students uh, into a revelation of the Holy Spirit. And some of it was good and some of it wasn't so good. (laughs) Some of it had a lot of baggage. I call it, it's kind of a stylistic baggage. There's a style issue sometimes. And as I've planted one chapel... One of the things I've wanted to do as we plant one chapel is make sure that we are a weird-free church. (laughs) Okay. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. If you're going to welcome the work of the Holy Spirit, there is no guarantee you can be a weird-free church. I I don't want to be the kind of church that kind of says we believe it, but then never sees any of the, the good stuff, the work of the Holy Spirit, the signs and wonders. I, I don't want to be a church that says we believe it, but then don't, doesn't, we don't see it. But then I don't, I don't want to be the kind of church that does all the weird stuff, you know, the Holy Spirit speaking and, and people who are brand new, they're like, why does that person think he's God? <laughs> because somebody's prophesying and they speak in the first person. <laughs> And they talk about being, and they, they, they're sharing a word from God. People who don't understand, I want to be the kind of church that gets to do the stuff, the work of the Spirit, but then we'll stop and talk about it. I want to talk about it. I want to, sh- I, want to, I want to analyze it. I want to evaluate it. I want to look at the scriptures and make sure that what we're, what we're doing is Spirit-filled and Spirit-led, truly Spirit-led. So I... Uh, I remember one time I was at a chapel service, and um, you mean uh, maybe the, the the best Holy Spirit guy that there is, Benny Hinn, was speaking, and it was so funny. And Benny Hinn, listen, he's seen 
thousands and thousands of people healed through his ministry. And whatever you think of Benny Hinn, um, there's, there's some good stuff and there's some crazy things that go on. So it was amazing. I was sitting in the chapel service and he was getting ready to pray for the students. And, I, and he was praying for them to have a revelation. And so he, he got the guy on the organ. He's playing the organ. And then he wanted total silence. And then he started speaking in the microphone like this. And then he said, I'm going to count to three. And when I count to three, the Holy Spirit is going to come. <laughs> it's true. It happened. I'm just telling the story. I'm not making it up. And he, and he said, I'm going to count to three. And when I count to three, I want you to respond and just release your life. One. Everyone receiving. No one looking around. <laughs> Two. And then he said this, and I'm not lying. Brother, turn the microphone all the way up. <laughs> Three. Yeah! And, he, and, then he, and then he screamed out. I, can't, I don't even remember what it was, but I remember the whole place went like this. <laughs> it scared everybody to death. They needed the Holy Spirit to come and heal them. I've seen all kinds of angel punches. You know what an angel punch is? Oh, oh Holy Spirit. <laughs> Sorry. That's good. <laughs> Anyway, here's the point. Here's what I want to tell you about this, all right? Here's what I want to tell you about this. I don't, I don't know that we can guarantee that there will never be anything weird that happens when we allow the Holy Spirit to invade our lives. It is impossible, it's impossible to predict how a person is going to react when they come face-to-face -face with the living God creator of the universe. The Holy Spirit we need to treat as God. In Genesis 1, verse 2, do you know what this says? It says, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the earth. He was there. The Holy Spirit is God, and we need to embrace Him as the Father and the Son. We can't control Him. You can't control the Holy Spirit. You can't decide how much of Him you want. <laughs> it's kind of all or nothing. You can't pick and choose which things you want. The Holy Spirit will not be controlled by you or me or anybody else. It reminds me of the great C.S. Lewis quote in the Chronicles of Narnia. The description of Aslan the lion. The question is asked, is he safe? And the answer comes back, no. <laughs> but he is good. Is he safe? No, but he is good. The Holy Spirit is so good. It is something, it is the promise of better. It is the promise that Jesus gave of better. Turn in your Bibles to John 16, verse 7, and see what Jesus said here. John 16, verse 7. 
it says, let's start in verse 5. This is him, and he's talking to his disciples. He says, now I'm going to him who sent me, his father. And yet none of you asks me, where are you going? Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. But I tell you the truth, it is for your good. You should put underline those three words. It is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Look at that verse. I want you to think about how strange this might have sounded to the disciples. I want you to think about the disciples gathered around this person that they had followed, this person that they had listened to, who had changed their lives, who they've really learned from, the teacher, the master, and he says to them, look, it's really good that I'm leaving. That couldn't have made sense to the disciples, right? It's like, what in the world? We, you have, I mean, all the miracles that they've seen, everything that Jesus has done, and they're, they're, they've watched this happen, and they've been part of this ministry, and now he's leaving? That cannot be good. Somehow I think you and I may think this way, we act this way when we neglect the Holy Spirit in our lives. We're okay with Jesus. We love what Jesus is doing. But somehow we, need, we neglect the person of the Holy Spirit. And let me just say this. There is nothing that happens here that we're engaged in as a Christian community that doesn't involve the Holy Spirit. The Word of God coming alive to you when you read it, that's Holy Spirit work. The idea of people receiving and experiencing God, that's the Holy Spirit the presence of God. This church, one of our guiding principles is being presence-based. That means that we believe that the Holy Spirit lives among us. He lives in us. That's Holy Spirit work. That's an acknowledgement of the Holy Spirit, that He is among us, that He is with us, that as we worship, He makes Himself known. Now, here, Jesus is telling us, I'm going to send you a counselor. I'm going to send you one who is Really, it's going to be a better deal for you than me. Now think about it. Jesus, even in his resurrected body, even in his resurrected state, he was appearing in places. He'd show up on a road with a couple guys. He'd show up in a closed locked room and, and scare the disciples. He'd show up in all kinds of places. And Jesus is saying, it's better if I go away. Because it's not going to be me who's walking with you. I'm not just going to be popping in from time to time. I'm going to send you one who will be in you, who will be with you all the time. Notice what he says if you go just across the page in John 14, verse 16. Here's what he says. Jesus says this, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you. How long? Forever. The spirit of truth the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. People don't understand it. Secular people can't quite grab a hold of this concept. But, he, but Jesus says to his disciples, but you know him for he lives with you and will be, what? What does that say? In you. He will be in you. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you before long. The world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live. You will also live. 
On that day you will realize that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. And whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He will be loved by my Father and I too will love him and show myself to him. Notice here's the Trinity right here in this passage. The Father's work, the Son's work, and the Holy Spirit who's coming to be a counselor. The Holy Spirit is coming to be a counselor. Go on down to verse 26. He says, all this I have spoken while still with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. You should underline that. Will teach you all things and will, keywords here, remind you. Remind you of everything I have said to you. <gasps> you mean you don't have to remember it? The Holy Spirit's role is to remind you of what Jesus has already said. Now, that doesn't mean you never have to study the Bible, never have to read it, because you've got to read it once to remember it. <laughs> you've got to read it and study it and embrace it. But the work of the Holy Spirit is to give you the right words to say at the very moment that you're talking to a coworker about what's happened in your life or what their need is in their life. It's the Holy Spirit bringing to mind what you need just at the right time. It's reminding you of everything that Jesus has said. That's, a, that's an awesome idea. It's an incredible idea. Now, we can't look at this idea, the, the idea of the Holy Spirit, without going to Acts chapter 1, so turn over there in your Bible to the right, just a few pages. Acts chapter 1, and we'll see, again, the discussion, Jesus promising his disciples what's going to happen. The promise, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Let's start in verse 4, chapter 1, verse, in Acts. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised. Oh, I love that. Wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? <laughs> he said to them, that's none of your business. <laughs> he said, you're focusing on the wrong thing here. It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. What I'm trying to tell you is you will receive power. Everybody say power. Say it out loud. Power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. One of the primary reasons for the Holy Spirit coming into a believer's life is to empower them to become a witness. Empower them to become a witness of all that God's done and all that he's doing and all that he wants to do. That's the point. The Holy Spirit is the one who facilitates the process of being a witness. Evangelism can never be a program. Evangelism cannot be a, some ministry of the church. 
Evangelism is something that the Holy Spirit does through a person and gives them words to say and reminds them of what Jesus said and works inside of a person's life and calls them and draws them to the Father. Draws them to the work of Christ. That's pretty amazing. Look over in the second chapter, or in the next chapter, chapter two. And I want to take time to read through this, all right? I want you to read it with me, and I want you to make little notes. Over the next several weeks, we'll be um, kind of unpacking some of this. We'll talk about praying in tongues. We'll talk about the work of the Spirit in your life and character. We'll talk about His voice that speaks to you. We're going to talk about all kinds of things. We're going to, we're going to take time to really explore who the Holy Spirit is. So it's going, to be, it's going to be so good. Verse 1, chapter 2 says, When the day of Pentecost came. Now Pentecost is the feast of Pentecost in the Jewish calendar. And that means that people from all over the place were coming to Jerusalem to celebrate this feast. The day of Pentecost came and they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. I I never seen anything that weird. <laughs> Verse 4 All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. The technical term for this is glossolalia. Ooh, yeah. Glossolalia. We'll talk about that in future weeks. It is the idea that you that's, that these these people started speaking in a language that they didn't know. Now why? Why? Would they be empowered to do that? I'm so glad you asked, because the next verses tell us. Verse 5, now they were staying in Jerusalem, were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? That was essentially their way of saying, aren't these guys like country bumpkins? These guys, they're not, they're not intellectuals at all. They don't know these languages. This is crazy. How could these Galileans be speaking in these languages? That's why they said that. Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in their own tongues. I want you to underline that phrase. Declaring the wonders of God. The wonders of God. The mysteries of God. The Holy Spirit is the one who unpacks the mysteries of God. The wonders of God. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives revelation and insight into the incredible revelation that God wants you to have. The Holy Spirit is the one that facilitates that. Amazed, verse 12 says, amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? <laughs> I think we ought to talk about what this means more often because I think it's a question that people have about the Holy Spirit. What does this mean? Verse 13, some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. They're drunk. Then Peter stood up with the eleven. 
and raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Now, look up here. Just pause right here for a moment. Sometimes this idea of speaking in tongues and the Holy Spirit baptizing these people overshadows one of the great miracles in this passage. Because one of the great miracles, and maybe the greatest miracle that we have insight into, is not people speaking a language they don't know, even though that's pretty impressive. It is the transformation of Peter. It's the transformation that's happening to Peter right before our eyes. Just a few chapters earlier in the book of John, he is the kind of guy who is so consumed with his own insecurity that he is always more aggressive than he should be. He's always saying things that he maybe shouldn't. He should be quiet, but he's always He's always trying to prove something. He's always trying to uh, lead when he should just listen. He's a guy that sticks his foot in his mouth. Jesus actually called him Satan one time. Okay, this is a guy who Jesus called Satan. And now standing up and articulating the message of the gospel and the work of the Holy Spirit and seeing 3,000 people Come to Christ that day. That's a miraculous transformation. And that, my friends, is the work of the Spirit. That's the work of the Spirit in him. Now notice what he says here. He says, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. He's saying, nobody drinks this early. (laughs) And if they drank last night, they'd all be asleep by now. He says, no, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Joel is a prophet that had spoken these words we're going to read 800 years earlier. Now, let me, let me encourage you in something. The Holy Spirit is not just a New Testament idea. The Holy Spirit has been at work all through the Old Testament. In fact, we see in the Old Testament that the Holy Spirit comes on people. If you will look and you'll see many, many stories where the Holy Spirit comes on a person in a special way for a unique assignment, a unique activity, a task, he comes on them. I've got a list of those. Why don't you put that list up there real quick if you can put the whole thing up. I don't know if you can put the whole list up. But the activities that the Spirit comes on them, people like Samson, people like Gideon, people like Moses and the elders of Israel, Numbers 11 says that God told Moses he was going to take the Spirit that was on Moses and put it on those men. The Spirit of God has been active throughout the Old Testament very all the way back to Genesis 1, as we spoke of earlier. Saul, the Spirit of God, came upon him in power, and he joined in their prophesying. Saul was so insecure, so fearful, so afraid. He was from the smallest clan in all of Israel. He didn't think he deserved to be king, and something happened to him in this moment. And he started, he started prophesying. There's something that happened when the Spirit came on a person, but it changes in the New Testament. The Holy Spirit doesn't just come on you. The Holy Spirit starts to live in you. 
you begin to be possessed. <laughs> You're possessed by a spirit, and his name is holy. It's true. And he begins to influence your life. He begins to transform you. He begins to change your character. He begins to lead you and guide you. He begins to ask you to surrender to him totally and completely, fully. The Spirit of God is the one that works with you to erase habits in your life. The Holy Spirit is the one who works in you to free you of addictions. The Holy Spirit is the one who lives in you, who knows everything about you, and you let him have access to every part of your life and every part of your heart. Here's what Joel, the prophet, 800 years earlier, begins to say about this coming of the Holy Spirit. Throughout the Old Testament, this idea, Joel's not the only one, it happens in Jeremiah, it happens in Isaiah, these ideas, here it is, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women. Men and women. If you have any doubts about what women can do in the church, they can declare the wonders of God and prophesy the words of God. Just like any old man. He says, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Now, you look at that word right there. If you circle that word prophecy, we'll, t- we'll take time to study this as we unpack, but all prophecy is, it's very, it's very simple. It is declaring the words of God, the ideas of God, God's word to people. That's what prophecy is at its very basic level. I know there's a forth-telling element of it, and sometimes that does happen. But prophecy is God's opinion and God's words. And it's always measured. God's opinion, when we, when we prophesy and when we, when we share what we believe God is speaking, that is under the direction and the, um, the influence of the Holy Spirit. And it's always has, it always has to be measured by this scripture, these scriptures, this Bible, this word. This is our measuring stick for every prophecy And I've heard some doozies. I've heard some crazy stuff, and and they name it prophecy. But churches who are too afraid to call people on it. I, I think we need to make sure that our church is a place where the Holy Spirit is honored, acknowledged, We're okay with the mess it's going to create. It's going to be weird from time to time. But then at the end of the day, we're making sure that we're not prophesying things, ideas that are not biblical, that are not scriptural. Now, here's my my take on it. I'll just tell you. I'll, I'll probably tell you again before we're done with this series. But my issue is if somebody has a word of prophecy and they want to come up and share it and they say it and maybe it's, maybe it's on, maybe it's off, maybe it doesn't feel right or whatever, as long as it's not anti-biblical, as, not, as long as it's not heresy, as long as it's not something that's directly opposed to what's in the scripture, I, don't, I, don't, I think it's okay. People can only learn as they share, and they, they learn how to share under the influence and the direction of the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about his influence and direction, his, the, the prophetic word that rests on his people. 
his ideas, his truth. The Holy Spirit leads us and guides us into all truth. And sometimes that needs to happen in the person who's been working next to us. And we need to share it with them. But we don't need all the baggage. It's, I'm not talking about a, a, a volume level or a, or a way of sharing. I'm talking about the work of the Holy Spirit. And that's what, that's what Joel is talking about. He says, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. Now you're looking at that section, you're going, what is that talking about? Here's what Joel was doing. If you read the book of Joel, you find that he was dealing with a group of people that were suffering from a plague of locusts. They were suffering from famine. They were suffering from a, a, a drought. And this was all in response to God's judgment on them for disobedience. And Joel is speaking the words of God. The Spirit came on him to speak these words in the midst of the, in the, midst of the, the, the disobedience, in, in the midst of the repentance, to call the people to repentance in the midst of, of this Discipline that the Lord is giving to his people. Joel says, I know you think this is bad, but this is not near as bad as that great and final judgment, that terrible day that is coming. That's what he's describing here. He's saying, this, this is not as bad as that, so turn your hearts, turn and repent. There is a judgment day that's coming, but this, I want you to turn and repent, and these are days of God's grace, and I want you to surrender to him and repent to him. That's what Joel's message is to the people of Israel, and notice what he says here. And everyone, verse 21, who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The work of the Holy Spirit is to facilitate people calling on the name of the Lord and being saved, being rescued out of their own lives, being rescued from their own failures, being rescued from their addictions and their habits that grip them and ruin their lives. The Holy Spirit is the one that does that. It's pretty awesome to see this. Joel is challenging those people 800 years earlier, but he's speaking about something that's coming speaking about something that's coming, and the, the, the people in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 2 are experiencing it right there. This is the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. He has come. The Father has sent him. Jesus has sent him as he returned to his place at, his, at the right hand of the Father. Final scripture I want to read with you before we end. Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. I want you to see this. Luke chapter 11, let's start in verse 9. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. And then he expands on the idea and he says, Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit 
to those who ask him. Let the Spirit of God speak to you now to see that the Father, your Father, Heavenly Father, is good and He wants to give you the gifts of the Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit in your life. Wants you to acknowledge Him. Wants you to share in what He has for you. The Father, it's so apropos that we have this subject today on Father's Day. Our Heavenly Father wants to give us the gift of the Holy Spirit and He will give to all who ask. Here's what I want you to do over the next several weeks as we study these passages, as we look to the Scriptures to see the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Would you ask for His influence? Would you ask for more of Him? Would you ask for Him to dominate your personality, your character, to change you, to mold you, to shape you? to transform you? Would you go with me as a church, as we go on a journey and discover more of what the Holy Spirit wants to do in us as individuals, but also as a corporate body? Will you ask with me? Will you open your heart, open your mind, open your life up to the work of God by the Spirit of God, by the Holy Spirit? Will you do that with me? It's so important. Don't resist. Don't resist because of some history that you have, some baggage, some offensive behavior at, at a time in the past of some church, or, or maybe you're afraid of what might happen. Listen, God is good. The Heavenly Father is good, and He has good gifts for you. And the chief among them is the Holy Spirit, which He has sent to live in us. Let's pray. Father, would you teach us? Would you show us? Show us your Holy Spirit. Reveal to us the work of the Spirit and how he interacts with our life, how he, how he relates to us, how we relate to him. Lord, would you... Open our eyes over the next several weeks as we seek you and ask you for more of your spirit. Would you help each one of us to, in our own individual prayer times, to seek you? To ask you for what you want to give us. We don't want to ignore the work of the spirit. We want to highlight it. We want to acknowledge him. Holy Spirit, we want to acknowledge you and we want to welcome you into our lives. We want to surrender and yield to everything that you want. Your work, your will, your way in us. Help us, Lord. Teach us. Help us to walk with you.